0: welcome everyone it is a pleasure for me to speak to you this this morning i'm on the west coast so it is a uh, uh, morning time for me but i do want to uh, hopefully take this next half an hour and share with you some of my thoughts about a subject that i'm doing for jpl but also doing with uh, my colleagues outside of JPL is called future it. Now a little bit about me first is, uh, that as Kara mentioned, I was the CIO at JPL for 14 years. I've been with JPL 16. So the last two years I've been focused on providing advisory work and doing strategic work for the office of the director of the lab. We're going through some change now for a new director, but at the same time, the person I've been reporting to and working with has been uh, in place. So as I look to my past, you mentioned, uh, Kara mentioned a CIO FDA, a lot of fun, but it seems like so long ago, certainly 16 years ago at least. And I was also a chief of IT at IRS. Um, You can ask me about that later. That was an interesting experience. Then I spent 16 years with Merritt International in various roles and left there as Senior VP of uh, Operations and Technical Services. And uh, so prior to that, I had some experience with banking, with networking, and with a chemical company where I really learned to enjoy working with the science community, quite frankly. So, So my background is varied it's almost like technology in many ways as you could think as i'm talk about future it i do want to just take a quick look at the past and then i want to talk about jpl just for a little bit so if you think about it and i've my gray hair shows that i've uh, lived quite a bit of time with it you know there were the times of the mainframes there were times of mini computers there were times of uh, pcs and macs that provided uh, from centralization to a distributed world and to meet the end user at their location versus the behind the scenes at a data center. After that, things really started changing. And the internet brought, and I'm skipping a lot of technology, but the inter- internet brought a democratization of how we work and how we communicate and how we interact with each other. And then you think about small devices. So there was the BlackBerry for those who remember the BlackBerry, mostly for the keyboard, but the fact that you could do your email from anywhere was kind of a, a new way of working on a small device. And then the iPhone kind of changed everything where we started focusing more on applications and using the technology to really change how we operate it and pr- provide a new method of being remote, giving you access to data and things of that nature. So we've seen things change with cloud being the next thing. And cloud has certainly given us an opportunity to have virtually unlimited uh, capacity at our fingertips and to change how we look at work in the future. So with that backdrop, though, let me explain a, little, a few things at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. First of all, we are the, the leading center for robotic exploration of planets, our own planet included in that. And we have several exciting missions. Most notably, you probably are aware of Perseverance and Ingenuity, our Mars 2020 Rover that launched during the pandemic and landed during the pandemic. And uh, I think that's uh, uh, one of those uh, cool things that we can claim. The workforce was on lab, the, the, the essential workforce uh, was in person on lab, uh, screened, of course, uh, to make sure that we could pull those missions off. The landing was phenomenal, had new technology. We'll talk later about AI and ML, but it certainly used uh, new technology to, to have a better landing. The helicopter was an uh, amazing uh, device to work in uh, atmosphere that's 100th that of the, of the Earth. And to be able to send back pictures through the rover up to a Mars reconnaissance uh, orbiter uh, and then back to Earth is quite a remarkable feat. And so we are seeing a lot of firsts. And JPL is not stopping with that. That, uh, that mission is still in operations. And occasionally we use the, uh, the helicopter now to provide reconnaissance for the rover in terms of direction of, if, of uh, path it's going. So what does this all mean for the future is the missions we have upcoming in the next several years. We have a lot of missions starting uh, this, this year, launching in, in the uh, latter part of this year, as well as uh, next year, that will start providing more data than we've ever had before coming to us. And that puts a challenge on our, our systems at JPL. And we are going, we're building capability, certainly we started with cloud many years ago to help us uh, be prepared for those kind of things. We have exciting missions in our horizon that are being worked on as of today. For example, Europa, which is a icy moon of Jupiter. We have a mission to, and hopefully in 2024, to be launched and explore that icy planet and eventually have a device or technology that will go through the crust of the ice and hopefully we'll get a view of what the, whatever the water or whatever the uh, substance is that we can explore uh, in that uh, th- this is stuff that Hollywood you know, enjoys, quite frankly, and we hope to have some exciting findings on that. So, what does this all mean? Well, when you take a look at science, scientists want data. But they want data from places that humans right now can't go to. And what do we do? We provide that we have to build the technology, because you usually can't buy it off the shelf too easily. And we have to build the technology to get the data. We have to have a spacecraft to get us there. We have to have a rocket to get us up into space. And so when you think of it in those those terms, you start seeing a, a natural progression of what type of technologies are you going to need to do that? What are the obstacles and how can we reduce the friction, if you will, to provide the IT that's necessary to have these future missions be be successful? And so that's a little bit about JPL. Our future is exciting. I invite you to look at our website to see the missions we have currently running as well as the future missions to get more detail on those. My role is to help define what the future looks like in IT, not the organization. But the function of it because we have a lot of it across uh, the jet propulsion laboratory our missions are like floating data centers if you will flying data centers and they're getting more sophisticated as we find technologies they'll let us get past some of the things like radiation and stuff like that that prevent us uh, in the in the past from having more capacity and i'll give you an example we have two missions two voyagers that are in the heliosphere past you know, past any spacecraft has ever been before, past our our galaxy, our universe, it is, and are still communicating. Now, that communication may not last much longer as they get further away, but they're expected to continue flying on and on with the uh, the capacity they have. Uh, unfortunately, the communications does we may not be able to reach them forever. But what we have discovered is quite amazing. So, what is future it? this is my definition it is uh envision is is the projecting the technologies tomorrow uh, future operating models workforce strategies and possible new organization models and so today i hope to present to you my case for uh, you know what the technologies will look like what we should plan for uh what uh the workforce strategy might look at. We certainly have a uh, challenge now that, you know, we're still in a pandemic, but we're hoping in a post-pandemic that we all can work and learn from what we uh, have done to how we can have a better work environment and still be productive uh, and still, in many cases, have the you know maintain the culture of the company that's desired. Also included in this, though, is the opportunity. Uh, you know, to look at new business models, you know, this digital transformation has now been going on for quite a while, and it's been estimated, and, and I got this from another presentation, 2.4 trillion, $2.4 trillion being spent on digital transformation. So you have to start thinking, what's post-digital transformation? Uh, I've lived through post-analog transformation. And so what are the post-digital transformation times going to look like? And when, when we have connectivity and new technologies, allow us to do things that we couldn't do before. So let's get started with uh, uh, some of this that um, on the technology side, which kind of gives me kind of a convenient uh, area to work with. As we all know, uh, every, if you, you can't go to a conference well, without talking about AI and machine learning and uh, uh, you know uh, big data, things of that nature, even though that term has been used for a while. That's maturing in five years. That's going to be very mature and it'll be built into almost everything we do. The cloud vendors are already providing capabilities so you can easily put your applications to look at the data that you have and to start doing advanced analysis on that. Many of you may already be doing that. I know that we've started and it means though some implications. While the technology may mature, what's your data architecture look like? what is your data standards look like? Is the CIO in charge of management of that data? Are they just curators? And I'll talk about that a little later as well. What are the future role of CIO? What did I expect to be a little controversial, to be honest with you? What are uh, uh, What are future roles going to be based on these new capabilities? And how do you take data analytics to the next level? We learned that through the pandemic, that how we're meeting today, you know, even though I crave in person occasionally, is the wave of the future, but the tools still are as, as good as they are. They're not really where they need to be. And so you're, in collaboration tools, I think you're gonna see certainly advances in talking with companies like Zoom and, and Microsoft and watching what people are doing, whether it's Zoom, Teams, WebEx, whatever, name your favorite color they are going to have to change so that it becomes more seamless and the experience is is better. But they can't do it all. They can't fix your network. Uh, They can't fix uh, your compute capacity. They can't fix your device. So you're gonna see some implications of that. 5G is being rolled out now. It's got a lot of hype. Uh, 5G is real because it uses a different spectrum. I would say that 6G is going to be the game changer. 5G will start it. The 6G will be the one that provides a whole new level of, of uh, technology and capability. Where in your own company, you may carve out a 6G uh, window, if you will, for or network for your company without having to have networks like we built them before. And that is starting with 5G. That means start looking at that now and have a plan so that when it's time to uh, migrate. It's not a a huge cost or a huge uh, way of doing it. Cloud is maturing. I started using cloud at JPL, I would say 10 10 plus years ago. We saw the benefits of cloud pretty early. Pretty early, I could not keep up with the compute demand of a science-based and engineering-based organization like JPL. And so I couldn't build data centers. I couldn't get enough compute capacity. It took too long. And so when we started our cloud uh, venture, it was to work with our engineers and scientists to provide faster access and give them capacity that they can afford, you know, as much as possible. And that proved to me that IT working with our community, uh, that we could solve a lot of problems together. And it told me that I could rely on the cloud. Now I have to be honest. It took several years for me to say, "Am I going to replace my data centers with cloud?" And um, you know that while that hasn't fully happened, it has reduced our data center uh, space, and it has uh, allowed us to think differently in a cloud-first, you know, uh, mantra, if you will, to to start utilizing cloud computing better. We had to learn FinOps. We had to learn uh, basically how to manage in that environment. We have a chargeback. Capability. We had to learn how to do that. So all those things will be overcome, you know, in five years. And the maturity now leads us to what we can do differently. I will tell you that uh, IoT. While we talk about it today, it's almost, uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting for operational technologies. Uh, it might be for inventory, for uh, containers. It may be for tracking things. We started when it was more of a game. And uh, it was kind of fun to play with. Uh, we had Amazon Echoes uh, that we played with quite a bit to see if we could make a more automated experience for people. Uh, I had one set up where I could ask it questions about my key data that I was interested in, uh, you know, how, how many help desk calls, how many users are logged on, things of that nature. And we had that working. Unfortunately, there's a syntax with that that you have to be exact with and uh that used to cause me problems and so when natural language processing becomes as it's maturing and becomes more capable not only for smart devices but also so that we can use the uh, human uh, interaction better and experience better but also because we're going to use in collaboration you know, having natural uh, language processing where it can do translation so that you have a conversation with uh, with your colleagues in other countries in their language of choice. that's not that far away. and some places you could play with it now, but in five years plus, you're going to see you know advances in that area where you can have a natural conversation and hopefully uh, communicate better. Things like uh, uh, blockchain, you're already seeing some things with blockchain is no longer used just for uh, cryptocurrencies. It's also used for inventories and uh, we're seeing some really interesting use cases out there. And I invite you to look at that. Where will that be in five years? Matter of fact, where will cryptocurrencies be in five years? You know, the, the odds are that we'll have a better way of interacting, exchanging and uh, working with those technologies as they mature and hopefully stabilize a little bit too there's, a, there's always an element of risk with these technologies so those of you who are type a can move fast those of you who are a little more risk averse you can let the type a's suffer a little bit and then you can follow on after that uh, we were both we're a little risk averse certainly with missions but we're we were um, type a when it came to looking at newer technologies with our colleagues in our community and, uh, and creating prototypes just to see where it would go and what we could see for the future and whether we should track with that technology. We're already seeing uh, ro- robotic process automation being used, especially to reduce the friction and, and help digitize uh, areas in finance, HR, uh, and traditional areas that otherwise uh, were looking for applications to do the job. Chatbots are already in place. You use them in your own experience. I, I have mixed experience with them. Some are good. Some are not so good. Uh, I think that's going to have to mature. But I'm predicting the uh, intelligent RPA that will determine the need and create the code to create an RPA as needed, so that a new process is created that's based on demand and based on insight that an RPA is 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 uh, uh, determining. And I think you will see better automation of that. Coding is becoming something that a robotic process will be able to do. And I think that's going to impact how we look at processes in the future. Uh, then one of my favorite areas to talk about is quantum computing. And uh, I would only ask you in the interest of time, to look at that, track that. I have an article I uh, co-authored uh, in, in one of the other outside things I do. Uh, I'm a fellow at Avasant uh, company, and uh, I do some research with them that also benefits JPL. I'm also the executive director of Innovate UCLA and get feedback from the member companies and the, that are cross multi-industry and get a lot of in, input uh, based on that for my talk today, quite frankly. But quantum computing is not necessarily to solve just quantum mechanics problems, but the influence it will have on regular computing, networking, cybersecurity, and storage could be a game changer, especially in 10 years out. Uh, There's a lot of investment in that now. And if you're in the business of high-performance computing, if you're in the business of using uh, cloud computing, Stay attuned to where quantum is. There's some examples out there today, but I would recommend strongly you look at that. So let's talk about the workforce of the future because I have a few minutes left. I'm gonna talk about workforce, cybersecurity, and I'm gonna talk about the CIO of the future. So workforce, we already know we we have a hybrid today. I'm not sure how many people really wanna go back to the office. It's been estimated that 75% don't want to. Now, not all jobs are built that way, And so it's going to create an opportunity for people to rethink the workforce, rethink the location. You know, it's already done that. So, you know, the pandemic has forced us to learn how to work differently. It does impact the the culture of a company, and you have to watch out for that. The flexibility, though, is, is a game changer for the new workforce. People who are baby boomers who will be retiring and moving out of the workforce will probably continue to work more like they used to. It doesn't mean they can't enjoy the opportunity and the flexibility, but it certainly, you know, some things have have not changed for them. But you're gonna see a better tools and experience come out of that. And you're gonna see how the company's culture adapts to this shift in where the workers are. The biggest change I see, and this is one that I think we have to address today and hopefully be skilled in five years out so that it becomes a non-issue, is managers are going to have to learn to manage differently. You can't go by location. You can't go by you know, time card, if you will. So let me move on to cybersecurity. A new thinking is required in cybersecurity. We love to secure the device. We love to put bigger fences up. We need to rethink that with our data strategy. How do you secure the data? I think that there's it's bigger than the CISO. I think you're going to see the chief security officer role come out in the future. Uh, some are already doing that now, I think you're going to see as digital transformation is, is occurring, that as post digital transformation, that the cyber landscape becomes much more complex, and it's going to need a new strategy to look at that, and a new org model, and it may not be the model, as A matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it won't be the model we have today, the CIO of the future in the few minutes I have left, uh, today we have kind of two types. We have the operational, you know, keep the lights on, you know, stay current, make sure SAP or Oracle or whatever is working, but also strategic. And so I'm going to tease you with the idea that the CIO of the future is going to have to have the ability to provide insight in data, not just curation of data. So for example, if all the functional areas, if you have expertise in your organization, in the IT organization, for HR, for finance, for product development, for products, for marketing, and they understand the data as well as those functional areas, then the CIO should be, is going to change to providing insight to the C-suite that they couldn't do before. The CFO has that role a lot today because they get insight based on financials. And for a CIO to have the right seat at the table, quite frankly, not the kitty seat, the right seat, it's going to have to have this ability to, uh, to market itself and to provide input and insight into that data that the CEO and the C-suite can rely on, because the CIO has the tools and will have the expertise to do that. I'll be interested in your feedback on that. If you're starting to see that. There's some interesting titles being developed, chief data and analytics officer type roles. Uh, I think those are an indicator of change coming. And so be interested to hear what you folks think about that. And finally, I'd like to talk about where this is all going uh, with future IT. I do think IT organizations need to know about IT. I've always believed that. So a strong CTO function, I think, is really needed. So you're going to see big technology waves and you need to understand, in my opinion, this is how I approached it, is you need to understand how that technology will work. You want to be the place that people come to to say, what do you think about this technology and how does it apply to your company? Leadership is going to change. The I've already mentioned with the workforce changing, it's going to provide a, a new way of working, but it's also a new way of managing. And how do you inspire the workforce? We probably learned a lot through the pandemic and this current uh, way of working, but how do you inspire, how do you lead, and leadership may change, uh, as well as management changes. Business will change when it's all digitally transformed. So why would we work the way we work today? And hopefully that will provide a better way of working, more streamlined, but also create opportunities for new types of work in the future. Lifestyle changes, we all, our experiences uh, that we, we, we deal with outside of work also influence how we work. And so that's gonna to continue to, to work, uh, to look like that. Workforces, I've mentioned the workforce of the future, it's going to change, the demographics are changing, the age is changing, and the experiences are changing that are going to provide great opportunity for new business models, what new, new ways of working, and the employment of the future being multinational, being uh, not in your location, maybe uh, certainly in other locations. We have global companies today. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something bigger than that, that even global companies can work with. And finally, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but compute storage and network changes will continue to happen, which will provide the fuel and the opportunity to change the way we look at the future in such that you can provide a future proof, a future ready capability for your organization. And um, are you ready? Are you prepared And uh, for your company to have that future? What strategies are you working on? I know we all do budgets. We all look at the next year. We also think about maybe two or three years out. That's fine. You have to do that. What, if you put your, your lens a little further out, what would you do differently? And I promise you, if you look back five years, you'll learn a lot about what you did in the five years for the next five years. With that, I'm happy to entertain any questions. And I please welcome your feedback on my talk. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Millennium Live to listen and learn on life and leadership.